the Bible, according to John, right here. Uh, Chapter four, verse seven. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, said the woman, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the, man now, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, said the woman, I can see you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where, you, where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? Then leaving her jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. So uh, thanks again to uh, Carol, who directed all the youth to do that skit. She made that up, and I understand that the words that she was speaking were from uh, Pope John Paul II, who, um, I don't know where and when he said it, but that's what she was quoting throughout the whole drama. So um, yeah, big thank you to you guys, wonderful job. Um, So the story of the woman at the well, a woman who's coming to quench her thirst and looking for water. Um, This past spring, as I mentioned earlier, I'm kind of making some shifts into counseling. And I have been taking some classes down at Denver Health 
which is down near 11th and Cherokee. And there's this little restaurant on the corner where I would go for my lunch breaks called Parsley's. Anybody ever been there? Cute little place, 11th and Cherokee. And on the wall, it's kind of a healthy deli kind of place with soups and salads and a great little place. Uh, on the wall, they had a document that was posted there, uh, kind of mounted, and it had 46 reasons to drink water. And it was really pretty cool. And I'm not gonna read all 46 to you, but I'm gonna read a few, because I thought it was pretty cool. But I bet you didn't know this, but did you know the body is 75% water? If you like took all the water out of you, you'd be like dead. Uh, the human brain is around 80% water. Mine's 90. <laughs> Peter has a little more water on the brain, he was 90. Uh, did you know the body recycles 40,000 glasses of water every 24 hours? to maintain its normal physiological functions. But the body comes up short about six to 10 glasses a day, which is why you need to drink six to 10 glasses a day of water for your body to be healthy. So here's some of the reasons of what they said that water does to the body, and I wasn't really thinking about any of these, but I thought this is really cool. Water clears deposits of toxic waste and sediment from different parts of your body and takes it to the liver and kidneys for disposal. It's the main lubricant in the joint spaces and helps prevent arthritis and back pain. You've got arthritis and back pain, you should drink your water. It helps prevent clogging of the arteries and reduces risk of heart attacks and strokes. It increases efficiency at work. It expands your attention span and gives energy for thinking. Water is a better pick-me-up than any beverage in the world and it has no side effects and no calories. Water helps reduce stress, anxiety, depression. It restores normal sleep rhythms. It helps reduce fatigue and it gives us the energy of youth. It makes skin smoother and helps decrease the effects of aging. And here's my favorite, helps decrease hot flashes. And finally, it helps prevent loss of memory as we age and it reduces the risk of Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, and Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh, there is one more. It helps reverse addictive urges, such as those for caffeine or alcohol or some drugs. So apparently, water really does the body good. So the woman at the well was thirsty, looking for water. So let me ask you, what was the first thing you drank this morning? How many juice? How many coffee? Uh-huh. How many chocolate milk, you kids? How many milk? Some milk. How about a mimosa? <laughs> Anybody have a mimosa? <laughs> okay, no one yet. <laughs> Christian? <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> we'll keep that one quiet. <laughs> so so uh, Jesus, Jesus uh, encounters this woman at the well and she comes to the well looking for a drink and she's thirsty and you know in this culture, Jews would not have been speaking to Samaritans, let alone a woman. And so here's this woman who comes to the well and speaks to Jesus and he speaks to her. He sees her. He saw that she was a Samaritan. He saw that she was a woman. And he also saw that she was thirsty. And he saw what she was really thirsty for. Because he said to her, go call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And he says, that's right, you've had five husbands. He saw her true thirst. She was thirsty for a relationship. 
to be known, to be seen, and to be loved. Other than food and water and maybe basic shelter, I think that's probably our most basic need, to be seen and to be known and to be loved. Later, she ran off into the city at the end of the story and said, there's this man that knows me. He knew her better than she knew herself. Um, one of the things that I started doing this summer as part of my shift to counseling is I started working at a, a recovery center for substance abuse. And I do an adolescent group and a women's uh, substance abuse group. And the, the women's group, uh, most of the women are there for either alcohol or prescription drug abuse. A dependence on those, sometimes other things, but those are the primary, one, primary ones. And some of these moms are stay-at-home moms. You'd never guess it in a million years. But they're feeling lonely and exhausted and overwhelmed, and behind closed doors, alcohol has become the thing they turn to. Sometimes they have social anxiety, a fear of interacting with other people. Sometimes it's a performance anxiety of uh, trying to keep up with all the tasks of life and not feeling like they can do it. There's this little acronym that is used in kind of addiction counseling circles to know when you're vulnerable to want to drink or use a substance, and it's called HALT, H-A-L-T. Stands for hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those are the times when you're most likely to be vulnerable to want to go back to that substance. So uh, the women that come to the, this group are wonderful. I love them. They are um, just amazing, beautiful, talented, incredible women. And they come here to this, this group to share. Some of the women describe alcohol as their friend, their most reliable thing to turn to when they're feeling lonely and angry and tired and overwhelmed. And they talk about it almost like they had a relationship with this friend. But the drinking then usually just leads to more anxiety, more hiding, more lies, more deception, more conflicts with their spouses, depression, more guilt, more anger, anger at themselves, which only makes them want to drink again. Their friend, it seems, has betrayed them, controls them, destroys them. And almost every one of them says something along the line of this, I don't even know who I am anymore. They're feeling parched, thirsty, empty, like women who come to the well, looking to have their thirst quenched. And I consider it a privilege to walk alongside and sometimes in the back door offer them some living water. They're all looking for the same thing I think that you and I are really looking for. Sometimes we're getting thirsty and feeling parched. We feel empty and dry in different parts. We've had some uh, really hot days this summer, the fires out in the mountains, and uh, a number of years ago, about 10 or 12 years ago, we had a similar summer, lots of fires, it was all over the newspapers. Um, at the time, I was uh, living in a house with three other guys, their ages were two, four, and six, along with their parents and their sister. But, um, <laughs> and uh, we, I was living in their basement. I was in a transition and kind of had a basement apartment, and I would kind of trade out watch, watching the kids and, and stuff, and they were kind of um, just my family at the time. And um, these, uh, the baby was a girl, and she was just, you know, below 
below age one. But the boys, um, they loved water, anything to do with water. They were there, and we would love to play practical jokes on each other, and the oldest one's name was Cage. He was six at the time. And uh, one of the things he did was, you know, there was this laundry room and a sink, and there was a faucet, and then the, you know, the little nozzle with the spray thing that comes out that's right next to it? He had taken that when the water was off, and put a rubber band around the little lever so it was like uh, automatically you know on so and then he like found some reason to get me to go in the laundry room and turn on the sink so the second he had it positioned perfectly and the second i turn on the lever out comes this water spraying right in my face and they're just in the other room laughing and carrying on and stuff so um that was their way of showing love and i grew up with that kind of love so i get that but i was waiting for my opportunity to kind of you know do something as well. And uh, so these fires were going on in Colorado. It's in the newspapers. And one day we got the newspaper and there were all these pictures of flames and everything. And uh, the kids were all crowded around me and we were looking at these pictures together and, and they were sitting there talking like, why, why aren't they doing something about it? And I said, well, they're, they're trying, but it's not working. And Turner, who was four, said, I know. We should do a rain dance. And I thought, Got a little idea churning in my head. I thought, you know what, that's a great idea. I think you should do a rain dance. Well, there's not a cloud in the sky. Blue sky's out. And uh, so they all go rushing out onto the patio in the backyard, and they start doing this rain dance, you know, all over the place. <laughs> and and uh, I'm kind of looking at their mom. She was in the room, too. And, and I, said, I said, watch. And I, so I ran upstairs. In the master bedroom was a door you could go out on the roof, and on the roof was a, a hot tub up there with a hose and a faucet and everything. So um, I got the hose and I turned it on. I started spraying water over the top of the house coming down rain while they're doing the rain dance. And so they're, they're down there <laughs> doing this rain, and here comes this rain out of nowhere. And they're just amazed. They just can't believe it. And so, uh, you know, eventually they, they kind of like, they're just, they think, they think they're the greatest thing on earth, that they did this rain dance and accomplished it raining and uh, pretty soon I uh, popped my head over the, the rooftop and then I just start blasting them you know with, with water just dousing them and, and uh, you know eventually they were like yeah so uh, but their mom tells me later here, here's their response because I couldn't really see because I was hiding she said you know Dean who was two he got so scared he just ran in the house he didn't know what to do and Turner, who was the one who had the idea to begin with, he was like, yes! Like, he knew he was going to do it. <laughs> and then Cage, who's six, who's old enough to kind of get it, he was just kind of going, like, something's not right here, but I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, but you know, that picture was kind of a picture of when, when there's fire and heat and we're parched and we're desperately wanting rain, we'll do some pretty crazy things to, to do it, to get that drink to get that thirst quenched. Um, water is most welcome when you're feeling parched and dry and empty. So where do you feel parched right now? Where do you feel thirsty? Where do you feel hungry, angry, lonely, tired? Does it make you do maybe some foolish things? Maybe you're lonely in your marriage. Or maybe you have constant conflict. Maybe you have kids that are pushing you away and turning to destructive things in your life. Maybe you're dealing with health issues, or maybe somebody in your family, or maybe, maybe you're dealing with death in your family. 
Maybe you're working so hard trying to make a living and just need a break. Maybe you're in need of a job and nothing seems to be working out and you're feeling like a failure. So where do you turn for relief? Comfort, a friend, an affair, pornography, a bottle of vodka, misusing prescription drugs, marijuana, shopping, a new car, a new electronic gadget of some kind, maybe hours and hours of sports in front of the TV, even at the expense of time with your family, junk food, work, work, and more work, busy, busy, busy. All of these things may seem to either quench the thirst or at least maybe not have you think about it for a while. We seem to want more and more and we become addicted to whatever that thing is. The very thing we turn to relief starts to cause more problems and drives us to do it again. It's like we're all really addicted to something, to someone. Underneath those things, isn't it really something else that we're thirsty for? Those things that we long for? Love, security, feeling whole, feeling connected, feeling valued, known, or having a purpose or an adventure? At the core of our thirst is that thirst for relationship. Maybe, maybe we're meant to be addicted. Did you ever think about that? Maybe we're meant to be addicted. Maybe we will be addicted. You know, it's often said, uh, oh, that person has an addictive personality. Maybe we all have an addictive personality. Maybe we're not really meant to be the one in control, to be Lord of our own life and to be the center. Maybe there's something in our addictions that tell us that we need something greater than ourselves. Maybe there's something in us, like a hole, a drive, a vacuum inside, that needs, to, needs us to focus on something else, someone else. Psalm 61, 63 verse one says this. You God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. The woman who came to the well, apparently she was addicted to men. Thirsty, looking for water, and found the living water, found the man, that is Jesus. We come to the well looking for a drink of money, a drink of success, a drink of material things, a drink from our spouse, a drink from our friends, uh, a drink for a vacation, a drink to have successful kids, practical things, necessary things, good things. And Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who speaks to you, you would have asked him for, him for a drink and he would have given you living water. The water that I give you shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. I struggle with doing too much, staying too busy, going, 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 getting too much on my plate, overcommitting, and sometimes I just get tired and empty, just needing the chance to sit, spend time with the source of living water, to drink from his well and to meditate on who he is and his love and his grace and his mercy, to listen to him through his word as he speaks. 
through prayer, maybe through nature. You know, when you have a true relationship with someone, it's reciprocal. It's a two-sided relationship, not a one-sided relationship. Um, a reciprocal relationship that's balanced where sometimes you do the initiating to get together, sometimes they do the initiating to get together. It's not always one person doing it. Um, it's a relationship where there's acceptance, just this real uh, safe place to let down your hair and be who you are. And at the same time, those real friendships, they'll speak truth to you. They'll, they'll speak into your life. Those kind of relationships to me are life-giving. Jesus wants that kind of relationship with us. He wants that kind of relationship that's reciprocal. It's two-sided. Times when um, he's listening to you, times when you're listening to him. Times when he's speaking to you, times when you're, he, you're speaking to him like intimate friends. Jesus sees your thirst. He sees your deeper thirst. Not just the stuff, but the real stuff. To be seen and to be known and to be loved. And he too wants to be seen and to be known and to be loved by you. Psalm 107, eight and nine says this. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Our need to be seen and to be known and to be loved, just by definition, requires a relationship to have those things with God and with other people. And because he lives inside of every one of us, we can experience a taste of who he is through relationships with each other. I know I sometimes struggle with, how do you have a relationship with an invisible God? Well, sometimes he shows up in the people of the community around us as he lives in us and through us. We're meant for community, which is also why you need to be in a small group this fall. <laughs> and uh, the living water, though, that, that fills us is meant to be coming in, into us and through us. It's meant to circulate through our whole body. This living water is like love that circulates. So I have a little uh, demonstration to show you this. So I've often heard it said that, you know, Jesus comes in and fills us up, and when our cup is overflowing, then it kind of spills out. And uh, so, the, you know, Jesus comes into our life, and he fills us up, and then it gets overflowing, and then just kind of spills out around us. That's often how, I, how I've heard it. Whoops. <laughs> but I, I have another way I want to show you. Because I think, you know, I have holes in my life. I have holes that, that uh, places where I've been wounded, places where I've been hurt, uh, places that are vulnerable. And, you know, I, I feel like I look more like this, you know, with, with some holes. And, you know, when you pour the water, when Jesus comes in, it's like, well, he just comes right out my holes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the thing is, he, he loves me in those places where I'm wounded and I have uh, vulnerabilities. And it's like, wow, it's flowing right back out, but it's meant to flow somewhere. Like to another person. And they've got a hole. And then to that person who connects with another person, and then they've got another hole. 
When you're in a small group or maybe a circle of friends and you start sharing and maybe you share something about going through a divorce or a struggle with your kids or whatever and someone else in the group says, oh yeah, I've been through that. I know exactly what you're talking about. There becomes a connection at the very place where you have your wound. And, and so the body of Christ is meant to start to look like, well, kind of like veins in a body that flow from one person to another. And if we just kept going with lots of these everywhere, well, it'd be like the body. It'd be kind of like veins running through the body and circulating the love of Christ through the whole body, each person connected to another. And um, so sometimes what happens, though, is, uh, well, we start getting clogged with things like our addictions. And so our addictions, you know, go in those veins and our arteries and it gets clogged up and stuff like uh, gossip. It starts to affect community because we talk about each other, all in prayer, of course, you know, like pray for this person, you know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, unforgiveness, we get our feelings hurt and community and maybe, you know, someone stepped on your toes and that starts to fill it up. And then we've got uh, maybe just fear, fear that keeps us from engaging in relationships, uh, control. We, we can all be like control freaks, you know, and so that goes in there. And uh, resentments, resentments. What else do we have here? Selfishness. Oh, that's a good one. So these go in here. Selfishness goes in there. And guess what happens? Clogged, completely clogged. At the cross, the cross is where Jesus starts taking away the clogs. It's like liquid Drano. I know this looks like plumbing, but think of more like veins in the body, you know, clearing out all that cholesterol, you know, getting in there, <laughs> clearing it out, pulling out all that junk. If you can get in there. Pulling out all that garbage so that his living water can flow through us again. So when you're in community, sometimes these things that we experience, fear and anger and anxiety and all that, it's really just, think of it more like um, the, the engine light on your car. When that goes off and there's something to be checked under the hood, it's kind of like that. When you're feeling fear and hurt and anger and resentment towards somebody, it's just, a, it's just think of that like an engine light, saying there's something you should do about it. And maybe the something you should do about it is talk to somebody. Go ask for forgiveness. Um, share what it is you're struggling with so that you can be connected in a way and not just have that clog sitting there, but connected in a way where the life of Christ can live through you, the living water. The living water, it flows through us as a body. Here at the cross, Jesus takes away the dirt and the clogs that fill our heart, cleans it so that his life can flow in us and through us and out to relationships. The life of Jesus and his love circulates 
and takes away the toxins of our body, our body, this body, the fear, the anger, the guilt. He clears the arteries in our veins as a body so his blood can flow, like forgiveness. He clears our channels of communication by speaking the truth in love. He allows us to think more clearly about how we see ourselves and how we see other people and the value that each one has. It lubricates our joints, those places where we come together because love covers a multitude of sin. And his love reduces the urges for other addictions when we love him. Here at the table, we have the bread and the wine and the juice. Did you know that wine and juice is 75 to 85% water? And did you know that blood is 83% water? Jesus is that living water that does the body good. So come today and receive the living water and bring your addictions, bring the things that you turn to for relief and turn it in, trading out for his living water. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup and he poured it, saying, drink of it, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. So come to communion today. The dark cups are wine, the light cups are juice, and you can take a piece of the bread and dip it in the living water and receive them. You are forever mine. Amen. So there's this phrase used that um, you've probably heard before called a watering hole. What do you think of when you think of a watering hole? Drinking. Horses. A bar, right? <laughs> I know it can be the place where you feed horses, but a lot of times uh, there are places even called the watering hole or places that are referred to like a bar that are, that are meant for people to come and have a drink. And they're also coming for something else. They're coming for a relationship. I've seen many times people will come to a bar and open up their hearts and talk and share more freely and more vulnerably than they ever do in church. Well, I'd like to change that. <laughs> I would love to see where our small groups and our community groups and things like that become like watering holes where you come and, come and drink of living water, a place where you get a taste of Jesus, of being seen and known and loved. Um, you know, the women that I work with in, those, in the substance abuse group talk about their drink and our relationship with that drink. But Jesus is inviting us to have a relationship with him as living water. So in closing, I'm gonna show you a little video. And I want you to think about the, the relationship between these kids and water and how maybe our response ought to be with Jesus in our relationship with him. So do you search for living water? Like those little kids, when they find the water, they just squeal with delight. Do you delight in him the way that, that they delight in water? And then the bigger kids, do you trust him? Trust him, just throw yourself in. Just, just trust him to just go with it and throw yourself into his arms. So every time you think of water, every time you have water around you, let that be a reminder of Jesus' call to have a relationship with you. And whether that's water you're taking a drink, let, it, let that remind you of him saying, come drink with me. 
come drink of me. Every time you take a shower, that you're being bathed in his grace and his forgiveness. Every time you feel the rain, let it remind you of him just kind of pouring down his mercy on you. The living water is calling you into a relationship with him.